0: london and with more than 300 languages spoken, London lives up to its self-proclaimed title, Capital of the World. This is no more apparent than when you step into one of London's 48 different universities, where 100,000 international students walk the halls for one to three
1: years. We've got students from all over the world. We've got students from Somalia, from Iraq, from Saudi Arabia. They're coming here to do their university studies in London. As they come here, they're studying, they're getting their degrees. We as Christians have the opportunity to engage them with the gospel. These students are going back to their home countries, countries that we as missionaries can't get into. And so if we can engage them in London, see the gospel transform their lives, they go back to their home countries with the gospel.
0: Seeing a promising opportunity and having a passion for the lost, this new team is focusing on building relationships with international
2: students. One thing that I pray every day is Lord help me to see people the way you see them and to see their hearts and that I would love them the way you love them. So when I do that, when I go on campus or even if I'm talking to anyone on the street or someone in my community, I wanna find out about them. I wanna ask about their lives. What are you studying? What do you like to do? Share a little about me so that we're building a friendship so they know that I care about them and then, hopefully, it would then lead to an open road of having a spiritual conversation then to sharing the gospel
0: with them. The team is surprised at how often they meet international students who have never heard the gospel, some of whom have never even heard the name of Jesus.
3: One lady the other day, I was, I was speaking with her, and I said, do you have a Bible? And she was like, what? She asked me like three times, what is a Bible? I did not have a Bible with me, but I did have some Christian literature that I left with her um, in hopes that she would read it. And I tried to explain to her what the Bible is, but you come across that a lot where people have no idea what
2: Christianity is. We had one girl, um, one of our interns, share with a guy who looked quite not normal, very, very much a little bit scary looking on the outside. And our friend stopped and talked to him And he said, you're the first person in three years on this campus has ever spoken to me. In three years. So are we willing to step out and meet them and build a friendship with them and care about them, find out who they are so we can share who we are with them?
1: One of the struggles that Christians oftentimes face is that, that we're easy to speak the gospel to people. But if we don't have that relationship, if we don't connect with them on a personal level... They just heard some kind of spiel from somebody, but it's not really that connection where they actually trust what you're saying. And so one of the things that we have seen specifically and personally is that as we build relationships with people, as we connect with people, as what we do, we call life-on-life disciple making, is that we really want to see people know us. We really want to know them. And so we, as we connect and build relationships, we actually have a voice into their lives.
0: The reality is that London has changed forever. You can deny it, fight it, fear it, or embrace it. Shane and Lindsay are embracing it, seeing an amazing opportunity to spread the gospel around the world. All from London, England.
3: Good morning, if you'll please stand with us. Savior reigns let men their songs employ while fields and floods hills and plains repeat the sounding joy repeat the sounding joy repeat repeat the sounding joy He rules the world Nations prove the glories of His righteousness, and wonders of His love, and wonders of His love, and wonders, wonders, wonders of His love, and wonders, wonders of His.
4: And Merry Christmas! Merry There's not many many years that we get to actually come together on uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day for uh, for a worship service, and so this is a this is a special day for us as we come together. We've not had Christmas Eve on a Sunday in in like ten or ten or ten or eleven years. It's been a long time that we've had not had Christmas Eve on a Sunday, and so I'm glad to be able to come together and worship our great God and Savior Jesus Christ uh, on this this special day. Uh, we're glad that you were here. I, we know we got a lot of folks out of town. Uh, if you're a guest that's here with us today, maybe family that's here uh, visiting with us, we're delighted that you're worshiping with us. Hope you make yourself at home as uh, as we come together to uh, to worship today. Let's take a moment to greet each other this morning. If you see someone you don't recognize, go say hello, and we'll worship together here again in just a few moments.
0: If you'll make your way back and be seated. Love. This Advent season we appeared at the horizon with expectancy and found hope. We've rested in peace, understanding the Messiah has come to put everything in its rightful place, and we have danced and laughed with exuberant joy. Today we recognize it was all love that began it all. Perhaps more than any other subject, Love has been the attention of authors and poets, musicians and vocalists, from Broadway to Hollywood, all attempting to define or capture the essence of love. But perhaps, love isn't expressed so much in word as it is indeed. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So, what will compel God to send his only begotten son into this sinful, cruel, and broken world? As illogical as it may seem, the answer is simply... Love, he loves us. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above, while mortals sleep the angels keep, their watch of wondering love. But love didn't begin at Christmas. God's love has been there all along. The blood-red thread of redemption runs from Eden's garden to Emmanuel's Golgotha. If love is best expressed through action, then what we know of this babe, this child of Mary, ought to resonate in every heart. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. The love that caused Christmas loves you too. Today, as we light the candle of love, I wonder: Have you really? Have you truly realized the love of God? Have you experienced second birth? Won't you do that today? Feel standing with us again.
3: This message The whole earth trembled And the veil was torn Love so amazing It's love so amazing yeah. Jesus, Messiah The name of our Lord Man the rest of your forces.
5: God, thank, please bless the tidings and offerings to further Your kingdom, and then.
4: Invite the kids to come down front and have a seat with me. Good morning, boys and girls. How is everybody doing today? Good. I guess I should say boy and girls because there's only one of the boys up here. All right, Hunter, you and me we have to keep them keep them straight up here, okay? You up for it? No. Okay. It's a it's a tall order. Well. I was thinking today I was looking at my my Bible and I was thinking about what I was going to preach in just a little while to the uh, to the to the folks that are in the in the congregation here today and I want to preach on what's called the sword of the spirit. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 that the sword of the spirit is the word of God and we all know what the word of God is, right? It's the Bible. So I was thinking about my Bible, this is the Bible I usually use to preach out of and and I've got about four or five different Bibles that I'll use throughout the week and get ready to teach and preach and and I was thinking about how, how, do all you guys have, can all you guys put your hands on a Bible pretty easily, right? You probably may even have one with you here this morning, or maybe your parents brought one with, you, with them this morning. Uh, worst case scenario, how many of your parents ever use this thing for a Bible? Has anybody ever seen their parents use this thing for a Bible? I certainly do from time to time. This I was looking before I came up here, it has 49 different English translations in one of the, one of the applications that I use with Bibles in it. That's a lot of different Bibles that we have access to, right God's blessed us today with many, 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 many different Bibles. and so when the Bible tells us to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the good news is we've got lots of different swords that we can choose from, right? Well I want to show you a picture. I was in a very special library this week. I want to show you a picture on the screen up here. This library. Uh, I, I kind of got emotional when I went in this library. I know that that's kind of weird, and maybe you, know, maybe you don't get emotional when you go into a library, but I got emotional when I went into this library. You know what this library had in it? It had copies of Bibles. It had some Bibles that looked very familiar, but then a majority of that library, now those shelves are about 10 feet tall, and each of those shelves has about um, about 200 books on each one of those shelves okay you know what all those yellow books are those are bibles that don't yet exist because each one of those books represents a language that is spoken somewhere in the world today and each one of those yellow books is a language where people don't have access to a bible now think about that I've got four or five different Bibles that I use. I've got 49 different English translations on my phone. Think about the fact there's somewhere around 2,000 people, 2,000 different languages that are represented there that don't have any Bible whatsoever. No Bible. And so as easily as it is for us to pick up a Bible, there's people who speak 2,000 languages that don't have access to a Bible. So what can we do to fix that? Because we want people to have the Bible, right? <coughs> Well, one of the things that we do, and we've done it all season long, is we collect our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And we, you heard in the video that we showed at the beginning of worship service that a lady met a, a woman who, who didn't even know what a Bible was. And so one of the things that we can do is make sure that we support our missionaries in their, in their work so that they can find these folks that don't have Bibles and they can begin to translate the Bible and give it to them in their language so they can understand the things that we understand. And what do we understand? Well, one of the things we celebrate this weekend is the fact that Jesus came born as a baby so that he could come and save us from our sins. That's one of the things that we understand. And we understand that because God's given us his word. All right? Let's pray together and ask God to send the Bible to all these people that don't have Bibles. Lord, we are heartbroken at the fact that there are thousands of of languages in the world today that still don't have access to the Bible in in their language. And so, God, the, the task for us is really, really big to, to be able to make sure that these folks have access to a Bible, Lord. So help us to give generously uh, to our Lottie Moon Offering God, that, that we can continue to be part of seeing the Word of God spread throughout the world today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. as we share the word of God together today, from Ephesians chapter six, Ephesians chapter six. I'll begin reading in verse. Uh, let's start in verse 13. "Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the armor of God that you have given to us and instructed us to put on. God, I pray that we might be faithful in wearing it. Lord, uh, faithful in deploying it into our day to day lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We conclude our session or our conversation about the armor of God this morning and we'll move on next week to finish off the rest of this chapter we conclude this morning talking about the sword of the spirit we've recapped throughout this last series about the battle about our strength and where we find our strength we've talked about the different elements of the armor from the belt to the breastplate to the shoes to the shield to the helmet and today we finish with the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. You know, no member of a Roman infantry would be fit for battle without his sword. The, the Latin for the, for the sword that a centurion would use is called the, the gladius. Uh, we get the word gladiator from that same word. And so we know that, that no member of the infantry would be fit for battle without this this implement of war now one can prepare himself with battle for with all the defensive measures in the world and we've talked about throughout this series about the defensive nature of the armor of god but at some point the soldier must engage in a fight at some point there has to be a fight the soldier must fight in order to win the battle Because ultimately, if you don't fight, if you just stand in a defensive posture, eventually you will lose. Now, we've heard the cliches before talking about football, offense wins games and defenses win championships. We've heard that before, but there is an important part of that equation, offense still has to win games, right? You still have to win games in order to win championships. Uh, You may have heard this, the best offense is a good defense. That's true. That's true. But at some point in time, somebody has got to take the ball and score touchdowns. Now, I'm not picky if those touchdowns come from offensive players or defensive players. The point of the matter is, is the touchdowns, a touchdowns, a touchdown, and they're required to win games. In battle, it's absolutely essential that you are well defended. And in our armor of God, we have girded our loins, we've covered our torso, we've laced up our boots, we've covered our heads, and we've taken up our shield. We are well protected, but we do actually need to advance against the enemy. Our commission is not simply to be protected. Instead, we are ordered to advance as part of a mighty armor. Y'all, I want to win the battle, right? I mean, who goes to play a game and, and, and not have a desire to win it, right? Who, who goes to battle without having a desire to, to win the battle? Who goes to war with the idea, well, it's okay, lose, you know, we can lose. I, I want to win. I want to win. And when I've been commissioned in this battle as part of this army, I want to win the battle. And so we know that the best equipped Roman legionary would be ready to engage in the battle with his gladius, with his sword in hand. He has advanced behind his shield. He and his brothers in arms have used their shields to stand together to protect the advance. And now it's time to fight because a centurion without a gladius, a centurion without a sword, is not very helpful in the battle that he's been put into. I love the movie Hacksaw Ridge. It's a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, it's one that you need to watch. Um, it's a true story about Medal of Honor winner Desmond Doss. He was a Seventh-day Adventist, but he was a pacifist. He didn't believe in, in, he didn't want to pick up a gun. Yet he enlisted in the Army in World War II as a combat medic. And he won the Medal of Armor because, or the Medal of Honor because he he rescued something like 75 of his fallen colleagues in the middle of this, this terrible battle uh, out in the Pacific Theater. Doss refused to carry a weapon. There were times that his, his colleagues, his comrades, had to, had to defend him because he didn't have a weapon. But if you've seen the movie, if you've heard the story, you know that Desmond Doss was in the front lines as much as anybody that was in the front lines, except he didn't have a weapon. Now, we know that there may be room for such personnel like that in modern combat where there is an unarmed medic who's responsible for getting the injured to safety, but no one, no one would venture onto the front lines of a Roman battle without being properly armed. And that's where the sword comes into play. And it is a sword that every believer is called upon to take upon themselves for their battle. The sword had both defensive and offensive responsibilities. You've seen in portrayals of sword fights where the sword is used to block an enemy attack. Likewise, as an offensive weapon, the the, the legionary would look for places where where the opponent's armor was the weakest and would seek to inflict a deadly wound. The weapon of choice, the sword, was useful in that sort of combat. The weapon, for Jesus' followers is called the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. Now thankfully, Paul defines this for us. Can you imagine the places that this would get taken if Paul didn't define what the sword of the Spirit was? If he just said, take up the sword of the Spirit and then moved on? Who knows what sort of crazy interpretations might come along with this. Thankfully, Paul interprets this for us so that we're not left wondering, what exactly does he mean by saying that this is the sword of the Spirit? The sword that Paul tells us to take up here is called the word of god. This week we were in Washington DC to tour the new Museum of the Bible. If you have a chance to go see this thing, it is absolutely stunning. It's two blocks away from the Capitol and it is uh, it is absolutely stunning. It's a 400,000 square foot museum. It's one of the largest in Washington DC. They spent half a billion dollars building this thing. It is incredible. The whole museum is devoted to the word of god. That's what this whole thing is about. It's devoted to the Word of God. They had copies of all kinds of artifacts related to the Bible, the transmission of the Bible, the the translation of the Bible. They had, I took a picture of this, an original edition 1611 King James Bible. Now some of y'all like the King James. I'm here to tell you that unless your King James uses something that looks like an F for its S's, you ain't reading the King James. Right, you remember how the, how the founding fathers wrote those documents that S's in the middle of a word look like an F, so unless your Bible uses F's for S's, you're not reading the King James Bible. Uh, absolutely astonishing some of the things that they had. In another exhibit they had a Bible that was printed in Latin that had Martin Luther's actual signature in it. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> Martin Luther's pastor's Bible in whole was in that case. I'm, just like, I'm looking at Martin Luther's pastor's Bible. The guy that influenced Martin Luther, I'm looking at his Bible. I mean, it's blown away by some of the things that they had there. But one of the things I walked away after spending the day in this museum is that how the Lord has so graciously been involved in not only the giving of his word, but in the preserving of his word. That he has been so graciously involved in giving to us the Word of God by inspiring the writers of Scripture to put their words down on page. We've been blessed in how the Lord has given us his Word, but he has preserved his Word for us so that you and I as English speakers are blessed with the Word of God in a form that we can trust and we can depend on and we can stand on. We are blessed in that regard. And so when the Bible tells us to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, we are told to take up something that is trustworthy, rock-solid, and dependable. It's a blessing. And so this is a sword that you can count on. This is a sword that you can can depend on. This is a weapon that is guaranteed to work and do exactly as it's intended to do. We are blessed today to have the Scriptures so widely available to us if you've got a phone or a tablet that's connected to the internet you've got immediately at your fingertips more translations paraphrases than anybody at any point in history has ever had before you have access to the original languages you have access to to other languages if you've got a friend from a different language who wants to know about the bible you've got access to that at your fingertips it's interesting though that while we have so much access that we are living in a time when fewer and fewer people care about what the scriptures have to say. We're living in a time where we have entire churches and denominations that claim to follow Jesus, but who treat the scriptures like they are simply myth and fable. The Pew Research Center released, uh, released some interesting survey results the other day. In those survey results, they indicated that 90% of Americans celebrate Christmas. That's good, right? 90% of the people in America celebrate Christmas, but only 46% of Americans identify Christmas as a religious holiday. More than half of the people who you encounter on a daily basis don't see Christmas as, as a religious holiday. I don't know what it is then. I have no idea what Christmas is if it's not a religious holiday. Among those who identify as Christians, listen to this. These are people who profess to be Christians, one out of 4, 25%, reject the biblical account of the Christmas story. And that's four, they asked specifically about four components of the Christmas story: the virgin birth, that Jesus was laid in a manger, that there was angels and shepherds, and that the wise men came to visit. Those are the four criteria that they asked, do you believe this? And one in four self-professing Christians say they didn't believe any of those things to be true. We're living in a day and time where we have access to the scripture better than any generation in our past. But for whatever reason, people care less and less about what it says. Now, I'll reserve judgment about whether or not these folks are actually Christians. That's I can't make that determination. And I'll simply state this. One out of four people who are likely in some kind of Christian church today don't believe what the Bible says is true. 25% of the people who are in churches today, Christmas Eve, do not believe what the Bible has to say. Listen to this. If the word of God is our sword, if this is our weapon, The minute when we are standing on the front lines of a battle where 25% of the army doesn't even believe that the weapon they've been given is useful. Now imagine this played out in a real battle, in a real conflict. Imagine going to fight a battle with with colleagues in an army of some sort and 25% of the people in the front lines with you look at their guns and say, I really don't think this is important. We would look at that and say, well, we know which army is going to lose. Men and women, this is where we stand today. 25% of the army doesn't even believe that the weapon that we've been given is useful. That doesn't even take into consideration the people who've been given the weapon, but are who are holding it by the wrong end. They believe it's important, but they don't know how to use it. There's three things this morning that I want us to understand about the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. The first one is this. The sword of the Spirit is effective. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him, To whom we must give an account. I'm going to say this. We could spend another couple of weeks unpacking this verse in Hebrews. It is chock full of things that we need to talk about. But I want to simply get to this main idea. The sword does what it is intended to do. The sword, the Word of God is effective. The Bible teaches us very clearly that the Word of the Lord never returns in vain. It is effective at what it is designed to do. To do When we recognize the Word of God for what it is, and we recognize its authority, it does a work on us. The Word of God is not some history book or some sort of book of religious instruction. That's not what the Word of God is. When we consider the Word of God, it works on us, and it speaks to where we stand today. Remember, Paul's instructions about the armor of God are not simply introspective they're not simply designed to make us you know feel good about ourselves these words that paul are, is giving to us they are a call to stand to fight to bear witness to the truth These words demand action. We don't take up the armor of God like some silly Halloween costume that we take off when everything is said and done. The armor that we put on is designed to compel us into battle. It is designed to send us out with action in mind. It is a call to stand. And while the Word clearly speaks to us, it grows us, it calls us to a Greater and deeper faith, the word also speaks to the world around us with tremendous clarity. It's a blessing to know that our opinions do not have to be informed by feelings or by popular opinion polls or what celebrities tell us we should think. If you are influenced by what celebrities tell you to think, let me encourage you to look for a different source for shaping your opinions. What a blessing to know that our opinions can first and foremost be informed by God because He has given us the means of making evaluations about the culture, the decisions of our peers, the decisions of our friends, the decisions of our, of our politics, and about everything that goes on around us. While not every issue that exists today is specifically spoken to in Scripture, I promise you today that Scripture is effective in helping us shape the right perspectives on every issue we face. Secondly, we need to understand that while the word is effective, we need to become proficient at wielding it. We need to become proficient at wielding it. A sword improperly used can be rather dangerous. Agreed? I remember when my son was learning to use a pocket knife in Cub Scouts, back when Cub Scouts was Cub Scouts and not whatever it is today. They started the boys off with plastic knives and bars of soap. Surely nothing wrong could happen with a plastic knife and a bar of Irish spring. As the boys graduated to real blades, they emphasized the safe use of a sharp blade. They talked about the blood circle. The blood circle is the space that you can reach with an extended blade in hand. Anywhere in this circle is a blood circle. And trust me, when you've got Third graders and fourth graders with a sharp knife in their hand, you don't want to go in that circle, I can assure you. That blade is dangerous when improperly used. Infamiliarity with using a sharp blade could end with some less than desirable consequences, perhaps fewer digits than you had before you began using it. (laughs) A couple of Christmases ago, we were at a get-together of the extended family and. I don't know if your extended family is like mine, but we hope for good weather on the day of the extended family get-together because men need to get outside at these things, right? I mean, if you've got a large family, men need to get outside with these things because sitting inside with uh, candles and all that stuff just gets a little overwhelming. And so the men kind of gravitate outside when the weather's good. And we were outside, and the conversation invariably moved to talking about guns, Because what else do men talk about in the South when they're at a family get-together? And one of the guys that was, we were by his car, produced a pistol from his glove box that he wanted to show us. The problem is, is when he got it out of the glove box, he wanted to show it to us barrel first. A weapon, though useful, must be used properly. Properly. Otherwise, it is very, very dangerous. We've been given a very effective weapon. Agree? But it needs to be used correctly. Our great example of this is our Lord during his desert temptation. Satan came to Jesus with good temptations, with bad theology, with proof texting. And systematically, Jesus refuted those temptations, bad doctrine, and proof texting with the scriptures properly applied. You see, we have to be careful that we understand that the Word of God is more than just a book of proof texts, more than just a book full of pithy statements. I I like, uh, there's a comedian that's kind of started to make the rounds on the internet today. He's a Christian comedian. Uh, He kind of makes fun of us. And that's good. We need people to make fun of us. Because sometimes we get too proud of ourselves. And it's good some of these guys can make fun of us. Some people don't like him. I think he's absolutely hilarious. In this clip I'm going to show you, he is pretending to be um, somebody who misuses the scripture. Uh, You you may have seen this if you follow him on YouTube. But he is pretending to be someone. He's not actually like this. So I'm just going to throw that out there. But he's pretending to be somebody who misuses the scripture. So uh, let's see if this will play here.
5: Oh, I was going to go to Macy's, but Dillard's is having a sale. Man plans his steps, but the Lord directs his path. Look at these purses. Excuse me, this is fashion now? Lean not on your own understanding. Oh, Spencer's gifts? Mm Mm-mm, guard your heart. Finish line? Oh, yes, run the race I have set before you. 30% off all things work together for good. Oh, would you look at these here? Run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. Uh no thank you I don't need any skincare samples I am fearfully and wonderfully made Oh there is Starbucks thank heavens streams in the desert look at these watches for such a time as this look at all this baggage no thank you I have left my burdens at the cross Oh I love this bedding yes all who are weary he will give you rest look at these knives these are perfect iron sharpens iron Oh, man does not live by bread alone. Hey, Adam, you want to take a bite of this? Mm Mm-mm, man's original sin. Microsoft only for me, thank you. Oh, Lululemon, he will not tempt you beyond what you can handle. Oh, Zales, absolutely not. My treasure is in heaven. Pay less is having a sale. Lead me not into temptation. Oh, judge all you want to. You without sin cast the first stone. Oh, love this hat. Look at this. Anyone who is in Christ is a new I will dwell in the Nestle Toll house of the Lord forever. I come all the way in here for a sale and they don't have my size. Jesus, please, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion.
4: Uh, we laugh at that, but it may be a little too close to home for some of us. Because some of us may have boiled the scripture down simply a series of replies to the world around us. It's more than that, though. You see, like any weapon, if we're going to be effective at using it, it requires training and practice, practice and training. Any weapon that you have, if you want to be effective at using it, it requires practice and training. Uh, we have a lot of guys who are, who are gun enthusiasts, And they will tell you that in order to be effective with a gun, it requires practice and training. It requires time at the range. It requires work to make sure that you know how to use it. Let me encourage you this morning. Head to the range. With our sword, head to the range and work on getting things sighted in just a little bit better. How do you do that? Well, you need to be involved in Sunday school. There's too many in our church that don't come to Sunday school. You, you come to church on Sunday morning and you get the, the, the little bit here that I give you, but you're not involved in any kind of group discipleship, any kind of group conversation over the scriptures. And that's just, you're, you're not using your weapon effectively. You're, you're, you're carrying around a rusty pistol and unfortunately you're like my, my relative who, who was, didn't have his barrel under control. You're not good at using it, and you need to be involved in times where you can grow together in that. Consider participating in a Bible plan that we've got started for 2018. We even have a lighter version for kids who can't handle the reading load of a one-year of a one year plan. If you want that, let me know. We can get that for you. Consider being part of that as a way to, to grow in your experience and your expertise in using the Word of God. Lastly this morning, we need to understand that the Word of God is exhaustive. It's exhaustive. I love how John begins his gospel. Kind of the, of all the birth narratives, I love the, the John's birth narrative because it's cosmic in nature. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we celebrate the, 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 Luke 2 God, uh, the Luke 2 birth narrative that gives us the shepherds and the angels and everything. But I love John bringing us back to the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word. But there is a question I've always asked as I hear that. Why is it called, why is Jesus called the word? Right? The logos. Why is Jesus called the word? One commentator explained it this way, that John calls Jesus the word because he had come to see the words of Jesus as the truth of God and the person of Jesus as the truth of God in such a unified way. That Jesus himself in his coming and working and teaching and dying and rising was the final and decisive message of God. Or to put it more simply, what God had to say to us was not only or mainly what Jesus said, but who Jesus was and what Jesus did. His words clarified himself and his work, but his self and his work were the main truth God was revealing. I am the truth, Jesus said in John 14, 6. You see, when we open this book, we need to consider that these words, the words that we've been given, are words that are more than just words on a page. But these words are the final and decisive message from God. This is what God wants us to know about himself. This is what God wants us to know about us. And we can turn to other sources for opinions and ideas. We can read what commentators say and we can read what our Sunday school curriculum says and we can read what all the literature in the world says. But if we want truth without any mixture of error, if we want a sword that is perfectly sharpened and is effective in everything that it is designed to do, Men and women, can I show you the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The final and decisive message of God is revealed to us in the Word made flesh, the one we celebrate today, His birth, the Lord Jesus Christ. You can turn to other words for ideas and attitudes, but you will not find words anywhere like the words which are given to us from the word. Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, thank you for the word of God, which is perfect, which is effective. Lord, help us to be proficient in using it, Lord. Let us not be just loose cannons with it, Lord. Let us not treat it like it's some little silly pithy thing, Lord. But let us treat it as it is a weapon that is designed to give us a defense against the enemy's attacks, and a weapon that is designed to take us offensively right into the enemy's territory, Lord. And it is with the word of God that we seek to do battle against these strongholds and these, these ideas and these philosophies and these opinions that are not of you. Lord, that is what we stand on. And Lord, your word has stood for generations. It has stood every test that has been thrown at it. It has stood against every criticism that has been weighed against it. It has stood strong through translations, and it remains steadfast and true. God, thank you for giving us the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the final, decisive, complete, effective, perfect picture of what you want us to know. God, I know that there's some in the room today who, um, for whatever reason, just don't put on the armor of God. Lord, for some today, it's because they've not put their faith and trust in Jesus, and so they can't possibly put that on. And so, God, I pray that today on this Christmas Eve, that we might see some who are willing to put their faith and trust in Jesus today, to stop depending on their own self, their own self-righteousness, but to finally and decisively say that Jesus is the answer for their problems that they would embrace the word that's become flesh and has dwelled among us in the person of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts now. Lord, if we have doubts in our hearts about your scriptures, Lord, may we understand how firm and steadfast they are. May we all wield the sword of the Spirit correctly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand together and respond. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I'm going to give you the chance today to make that decision today, to solidify in your life that today is the day you want to give your life to Christ. If you're here and you've got doubts about the Word, you can solidify that today. Let's stand together and sing and respond as the Lord would lead you to. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. Sit down, Mr. right here. are going to want to sit down for this. <laughs> Vanetta, come on up here and stand with me. I got a call this week that, uh, that this young lady here uh, had something significant happen last week, and uh, BJ was able to go over there and talk with her a little bit. Vanetta, how old are you? That, that's not, in a, when you get to a certain age, you can ask that question, right? 83. 83 years old. Vanetta, what happened to you last last week?
5: Well, me and God had been talking for the last couple of weeks, and then He just got hold of me, and I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat. So He said, "You've got to make it right," and I made it right. <laughs> Jesus saved me last for well, the tenth of December.
4: Floored, and I talked to her this morning. I said, "I said, tell me what happened." And uh, she told me that. And uh, listen to me. She's how old were you when you were baptized? You remember?
5: I'm about seven years old. I guess six or seven during the revival. Baptized
4: in a little
6: country church.
4: Baptized a little girl, and thought that was enough. Right. Um, but uh, but as an octogenarian, realized that uh, that baptism don't save you. Uh, but only faith in Jesus Christ saves you, and, uh, and Venetta yeah. put her faith and trust in Jesus, and, uh, we're going to do baptism the right way now. Uh, we're going to talk about that and get that, get that squared away. <laughs> I don't know what uh, we, we'll get you. we just <laughs> water on. are going, we're going to get you squared away. We'll take care of that the right way. Uh, Benetta, I know there's some in the room today who, uh, who maybe are in your place where, uh, where they were baptized as a little girl or a little boy and, uh, and thought that that was enough, um. But, but there's a point in time in which you've got to sit down with the Lord and say Lord uh, I got a I bath in front of a bunch of folks but I didn't get my life right with Jesus and, uh, and so it's a challenge for all of us to, uh, to just search our hearts and, uh, and make sure that, uh, that we're where we need to be with the Lord and, uh, and I thank you Vanetta uh, last person that did this at, at, uh, at a more advanced age was uh, somebody we just buried uh, Jimmy Stroud and uh and I am grateful for, uh, for the Lord saving us. Uh, uh, when, we, uh, when we think we're out of reach, uh, the Lord saves us and, uh, and gives, makes us an example to, uh, to others. And so thank you, Vanetta, for, for the courage to say you weren't where you needed to be, but that, uh, that it was time to get that right. We love you. Um, and you can stay up here because I know the bunch of folks are going to come hug your neck. Y'all be gentle with her, okay? Uh, <laughs> y'all be gentle with her. Have a seat, Vanetta. We're going we're gonna to let everybody come up here and love on you here in just a little bit. Uh, we can do that. We can pull a chair over Uh, Steve, you don't mind killing the, the internet feed for me.